It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com. Part of the Scout.com network, which means some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. As always, I would like to thank you for listening and making this podcast possible. I certainly would not do it without you. And for also, thank you for checking out my work over at PackerReport.com. Packer Report members receive 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics, which is great for your Christmas shopping. And new or renewing annual members get Sports Illustrated. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app. And also, definitely check out the rest of the Lockdown Network. That includes Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Fantasy, and Lockdown Eagles to get you ready for Monday night. On to today's show, second down, the return of Jared Cook. Third down, two words for you, Jeff Janist. And take, take a guess what I'm going to talk about there. And fourth down, that's Q Jim Mora, playoffs. But first, it's first down. And Dom Capers pointing out that all hell broke loose. So it's 16 to 10 on Sunday night. Washington's up. Green Bay just had a long drive, missed a field goal. So there's five and a half minutes to go, third quarter. Washington has 16 points, 210 yards. And Green Bay's defense is playing pretty darn good. And that's when, as Dom Capers put it when he talked to us last night, all hell broke loose. First, a 44-yard touchdown pass to Jamison Crowder over Quentin Rollins. Boom, 22-10. Green Bay answers. 31-yard run by James Starks. Or a 31-yard run. 31-yard pass to an uncovered James Starks right back in the game. And then, Kirk Cousins, 70 yards to Pierre Garcon. That's two plays later against Ladarius Gunter. Gunter tries to tackle Garcon to 15. Whips, face plants. Another touchdown, 29-10. Green Bay answers right or 29-17. Green Bay answers right away. Six-yard touchdown pass to Jared Cook makes it 29-24. And then really the key couple moments here. Green Bay gets him into a fourth and one on Washington's end of the field, and the Redskins go for it. And 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 uh it's a quarterback sneak by Cousins. Latroy Guyon's got him stopped. He's got one hand on Cousins, and he's got him stopped. But everybody else is blocked. The linebackers aren't getting there. No one's getting there. And Cousins manages to wiggle his way for the first down. And then it's third and seven. 56 yards to Crowder against Joe Thomas on one of the rare blitzes of the night. And it sets up a one-yard run by Rob Kelly. 35-24. And then Jared Cook fumbles. An all-out blitz. Kelly runs for 66. Sets up a four-yard run by Kelly. And the game is over. So in those four series, Washington goes from 210 yards to 515. And they go from 16 points to 44. Oh, yeah, yeah, Dom Capers, maybe the most colorful language I'd ever heard him. 
when he, when he said all hell broke loose, well, that's uh, that's undom-like language on that one. But you know, ex you know, Cousins ends up with a big net. And you expect this going forward, right? I mean, Green Bay's running defense is damn good, and I and I know that Kelly had that. We talked about this in the podcast with Keith yesterday, and I know, you know, Marco Murray had the big run last week, and, and Rob Kelly had the big run this week. But on a play-to-play -play basis, you know, Green Bay's defense is, is as probably as good as it was back in Week One. But you've got to expect teams just to attack the team through the air, like like the Redskins did last night. To help in that regard, uh, Coach Mike McCarthy sounded pretty optimistic about Demarius Randall returning sooner than later. I think the expectation was, at least from from us, was that Randall re would have returned for this game, but he didn't practice at all last week. Must have had some sort of setback. But Randall had a good pregame workout, McCarthy said. So it looks like he's on track to finally get back. Also helping in that regard, Carson Wentz, after a hot start, ranks 25th in passer rating at 84.2. After that, it's a home game against Houston. And Brock Osweiler, who got, you know, $8 zillion from the Texans to, to leave Denver after starting a handful of games with the Broncos last year, he's 31st with a passer rating of 74.8. So what's going on here? You know, back to the past defense. What's going on? Well, one of the corners aren't any good. And we, I talked about that on my long rant against um, what Ted Thompson's done on the Sunday post-game podcast. But Sam Shields and Demarius Randall have missed 15 of a possible 20 games. And then you add in that Quentin Rollins missed three games of the grunt injury. And every once in a while, it's funny how this works out. We talked to Mike McCarthy for 12 and a half minutes, I believe, yesterday. And I was ready to ask McCarthy, what's wrong with Quentin Rollins? And then Michael Cohen from the Journal Sentinel asked, what's wrong with Quentin Rollins? Right on cue. So, and uh, here's what McCarthy said. Quentin Rollins, to be honest with you, his injury was a setback. I know when he did it on the practice field, it was a big injury. He fought back. Frankly, he came back earlier than the medical staff thought. I think he's still working through that. Like anybody, that's the first time he's ever had that type of injury. Hey, we all need to detail our work better. So, remember, he missed three games with a groin injury. Um, we didn't know the severity of that until McCarthy kind of hinted at it yesterday. So, look, look, he's been bad. Quentin Rollins has played bad football. And I remember, again, I probably talked about this before on the show, but I remember coming into this year thinking that Green Bay's pretty good at corner. With, with Demarius Randall last year's first-round pick and Quinton Rollins last year's second-round pick. And his, even though Randall started, you know, I think nine games and played more than Rollins, I thought maybe Rollins might be the better player than Randall. Um, Randall had him beat on athleticism. I thought Rollins was the better tackler, the more physical player. But it hasn't panned out at all. I mean, obviously, you know, Randall hasn't done anything either this year. But Rollins has been a, a big disappointment. But maybe it's that injury. Um, so, you know, if... Without Shields and Randall, that leaves Ladarius Gunter, Quinton Rounds, and Micah Hyde as your corners. I did a story about that for our members over at PackerReport.com yesterday. Um, I encourage you to go check that story out. It explores why Green Bay's passing has been so bad with those three guys. So you got you got that. Number two, the pass rush is gone, and you know I thought the return of Clay Matthews would help. And then I really thought, you know what? The return of Clay Matthews is going to help because Nick Perry had his first solo sack in like three or four games. But after that, I mean, they just got they got nothing accomplished. And 
you know, that's one thing is that the Redskins do well. I mean, they, they, they came into the game only allowing 12 sacks. So, so by that token, Green Bay's two sacks is actually better than what Washington had been allowing. But nonetheless, you, you got to go, you know, the first, I think, five games of the year, Green Bay's pass rush was really good, and the last five games has been pretty bad. And then, and then the takeaways have just disappeared. And, I, and I, I've gotten to that at Pack Report a couple times, too, where, you know, one, one of the things in, in that story, story I referenced a minute ago, from 2009 through 2015, Green Bay's corners, just as a group of corners, had 16 more interceptions than any other cornerback group in the league. 16. It's a huge number. This year they've got one. And there's only I think there's I think there's only three teams in the league that have zero from their corner. So that's 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 a obviously a huge problem for a defense that's been centered on takeaways and they're not getting those. And Capers kind of linked those two things together. They pass rush to the takeaways yesterday. He says a lot of it has to do with the teams you're going against. How much you can disrupt their quarterback, because a big part of our philosophy is to try to stop the run. Get them in predictable situations. Disrupt the quarterback. Your pressure stuff. We didn't pressure much against Washington, but the one pressure that we did use there in the, in the next to last series, they threw the ball over the top of us. They blocked it up and threw it over the top. So you put more stress on your coverage when you do that. We like to mix and match and try to keep the quarterback to where he doesn't get into a groove, into a rhythm, and that type of thing. I think the quarterback pressures, the sacks, the hurries, all that. The indecision leads to more takeaways and. And so they haven't had pressure, and they haven't had good cornerback play, and that turns into a disaster. The Packers play at Philadelphia on Monday night, and then they return home for home games against Houston and Seattle. You want to go to those games, don't you? And with the Packers struggling, tickets are probably getting a lot cheaper. You want to go? Well, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being at Lambeau Field for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit. Whether that's the 50-yard line, the club seats, or the upper level. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find the seats for this weekend or any other game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket, because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is based, or excuse me, is backed with their 100% guarantee. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, first, download the SeatGeek app. Then go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Then enter my promo code, which is L-O-Packers. L for Locked, O for On, Packers. And then SeatGeek will send you $20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L O Packers today. And that takes us to second down and the return of Jared Cook. The Packers got two key players back on Sunday night. One was Clay Matthews who didn't do much of anything. The second, of course, was Jared Cook who did a, had a big night. Six catches, 105 yards, and of course the fumble that, that doomed the whatever chance the Packers had for a comeback. But 
That was the first 100-yard receiving game by a Packers tight end since Richard Rodgers in that Hail Mary game against Detroit last year. Other than that, you have to go back to Jermichael Finley, who had back-to-back 100-yard games in 2010 to, to find that from a tight end. And it wasn't just Cook, where, where his, I, th- I thought where his impact was. The Packers had a season-high five passing plays of t- more than 25 yards. They averaged about one and a half per game before Sunday. So Cook had two, and I, I think Cook's going to really help this offense because you know Devontae Adams is having a good year, but does Devontae Adams really scare you as defensive coordinator? Jordy Nelson's got like eight touchdowns. Does Jordy Nelson scare you? Randall Cobb's made some plays. Does Randall Cobb really scare you? I don't know if any of those guys really put the fear of God in defensive coordinators, right? I mean, they're, they're all good players. You've got to account for them. I'm not calling them bad players, but, I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not elite weapons where you've really got a game plan around those guys. They're, they're all good players. But Green Bay needs a great player. Green Bay needs a guy that defenses have to worry about and a guy who, you know what, if it's a third and six. He's got a chance to make a play for you, no matter the coverage, no matter what the defense is doing. He's got a chance to win. And Cook, because of his height and speed, gives you that chance. So here's what uh, Edgar Bennett said yesterday when I asked him about just the, 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 what uh, Cook did overall to the offense. Anytime you, need, anytime you add an additional weapon like Jared out there, it certainly helps overall. Obviously, there were some really good high notes as well as the ball security. We've got to clean that up. And we've got to be fundamentally sound in how we're carrying the football. I think we all understand the importance of ball security and how it equates to winning and losing in the National Football League. So that's not just with Jared, but that's our entire unit. We certainly have to continue to emphasize it and can clean that up. So Cook return, a big game. And I think, you know, I wrote this on Monday. He's got to be a factor going forward. And I don't mean the last six games here. I mean, the Packers got to keep this guy. They've got enough problems on this team where I, I think you would like to X off one of them, and that would be signing Cook. If, if I'm Ted Thompson, he might be right on my priority list. And you know maybe I'm overreacting to one game and it kind of ignoring the fumble too much or ignoring that he's never been a really a great player. But I like what I saw, and I, I think I, I, I would like to see a lot more of that. So Cook return, and uh seems like running back Kristen Michael will remake his debut on Monday night against the Eagles. Obviously, him coming into town on Thursday... Um, really made it a long shot for him to play. So it'll be interesting to see what he can add to this thing and, and what Green Bay does with the running back rotation. Because James Starks has played pretty well. And Ty Montgomery gives you a lot out of the backfield, too, as a passing game. And he's run the ball fairly well, too. So how, how do they work Michael in? How, how do they divvy up the snaps to all these guys? So I don't think you need to, I don't think you want to phase out Montgomery. And that's what I fear with, with, with the running backs, that you're going to see even less of Montgomery than you've seen. So, you know, they've actually got some depth here. If this Michael signing fans, that'll be interesting to see how, how Mike McCarthy handles this depth going forward. And now we're on the third down, and that would be the special teams. So, so special teams coordinator Ron Zook comes up to the podium on Monday evening, and he's asked right away about Jeff Janis. And again, word association, Jeff Janis special teams, what are you thinking? Well, I'm hoping you're thinking the, the kickoff where... Janice got fooled by the wind, and then he lets the ball hit the ground, and then, then the ball bounces backward, and then Richard Rodgers pounces on it to save the Packers' bacon. So here, here's Zook. 
I knew that was going to be one of your first questions. But did you watch the ball? It fell right in. And I think by that he means it fell right into the field of play. You're exactly right. What was he doing? Get on the ball. Get on the ball. But I think it kind of shocked him. And once again, those are things we've got to keep building on and getting better. And then then Nenzik goes on here where, where Janice goes from bad to worse. And then what happened is we've got a signal, which he did not give. And everybody saw where he was. And they just assumed we weren't coming out. So they slowed down a little bit. And that's what allowed the people to get down there fast. Thank God Richard was down there and got on the football. So an all-around bad play. And, you know, this is obviously pre-podcast days here. But week after week, after week, after week, after week, after week, after week last year. And then after week, after week, after week, it was, where is Jeff Janis? People saw Jeff Janis as this big, fast guy. And he'd be the salvation to the offense last year. And I kept saying, there's a reason why he's not playing. Then I would go cite reasons why he's not playing. Nobody gave a crap about what I was saying. They'd say, oh, you got to play Janice. you got to play Janice. Well, as I said a thousand times last year, big and pa- past, being big and fast does not equate to being a good football player. And if it did, how many Super Bowls would the Los Angeles Raiders have won back when Al Davis uh, took track teams in the draft year after year after year? Well, I think we're finding out why Janice didn't play last year and why... You know, he's probably going to be a perennial tease and maybe nothing more than a special teams guy because, you know, the, the, he misjudged the ball, which is fine, but then then he just, nothing happened. He just sat there and let the ball hit the ground. And then, then in the next kickoff, you know, Zook puts Montgomery in the position to field the ball and, and they basically start fighting over the ball. Well, this is, you know, Jeff, get out of the way and go block somebody. That ball is designed to go to Montgomery. Get the hell out of his way. So, just, just bad football. And this is what, look, this is what bad football teams do, right? They find a way to screw up things. And look, last year, Ty Montgomery and Jeff Janis were, there were, there were two, excuse me, there were six kickoff returners in the entire league to average more than 29 yards per return. Six. And Jeff Janis and Ty Montgomery were two of them. So Green Bay, entered, Green Bay had a terrific kickoff return last year. And they had a terrific kickoff return on paper this year. But as bad teams do, they bad things get worse and good things turn bad. So I look, just looked it up this morning. Green Bay is 26th in kickoff return average at 19.3 yards per return. For perspective, the Packers play the Eagles this week. Philly averaging 33.7 per return. That's a, that's a difference of 14.4 yards. That's a first down and a half on kickoff returns. So Green Bay's been bad there. And then, and then like, like I said, bad goes to worse where Jeff Janis doesn't feel the ball and then Montgomery and Janis fight over the ball. Ay, ay, ay. What a disaster, hey? And then sticking with the return games, I was surprised to see Ty, Mon- or Ty Montgomery, Randall Cobb returning punts. And that was because of Trevor Davis's muff punt last week and they didn't want to stick him out in the wind. And Micah Heisman battling a sore shoulder, and he's, he's an every-down player. So they, they, they stick Randall Cobb out there, which, again, this is the state of the team, right, where, I mean, Randall Cobb's missed a game with a hamstring injury a few weeks back. Um, he's still in the injury port with a hamstring injury. But they figure that their best option on public returns is, well, we'll put Cobb out there because at least he can feel the ball, and he, had, he, did, have a good, he did have a good return uh, on Sunday. Um, here's Zook on Cobb. 
He's an electric guy. Get the ball in his hands. Coach said this is the time of year that, hey, we have to have guys, the playmakers, get the ball in their hands and make plays. So that's why Cabo's back there. And finally, you know what? I criticized the hell out of Ted Thompson for making the change at punter back when they, when they whacked Tim Mass today and, and brought in Jacob Shum. So you know what? I need to point this out. Jeff Shum, um, Jacob Shum is up to 14th in the league in net punting with a 40.5-yard average. Um, the 40.5 would be a franchise record beating um, Mastay, who has the five best single seasons in, in his I think he was at 40.3 last year. So Shum's on pace to beat that. And the Packers have never had a punter in the top half of the league. Never in the top half of the league in net punting. <laughs> Which a lot of that's because you're punting Lambeau Field and the ball is like kicking a, a stone in December. But he's 14th right now. Obviously, the hard games are coming up for him. Philly might be cold. Uh, the Green Bay games against Houston and Seattle come up will be cold, so you know that that number could shrink. But he's punting the ball really well, and when you're when you're in my position and you criticize players and you criticize personnel moves, and I spent 15 minutes criticizing Ted Thompson for the cornerback play, you know I've, I've got to be fair and and hand out some props and and hand out the fact that hey, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. In an in a world full of know-it-alls in my industry, whether it's well, look, sports, sports reporting is probably the worst between the actual reporters and the guys who write blogs just because they like the game, but they, they don't really cover the team and they you know, get secondhand quotes and all that. There's a lot of know-it-alls in my profession, and you know what? I don't want to be that guy. So you know what? At this point, I was wrong. The Packers made a good move by bringing in Shum. And last but not least, fourth down. I hope, I hope this fourth down is better than the Kirk Cousins quarterback snake. <laughs> so fourth down. Cue up Jim Mora. Playoffs! At this point, it, you're, right, you're right, playoffs, right? Playoffs, not, not happening. The Packers are 14th in the NFC. 14th out of 16 teams. Who in the hell would have thought that? They are 14, they're one of four in the NFC with four and six records. But they lose all the tiebreakers to the Saints, Panthers, and Rams. So those three are ahead of Green Bay, and that just leaves Chicago at 2-8. and eight. And San Fran at 1-9 ahead of the Packers. So, on Twitter yesterday, um, Jason Fitzgerald, who runs the website OverTheCap.com, um, posted a, dra- a draft order, which obviously means nothing with six games to go. But it was interesting, and it, it kind of struck a nerve. struck a nerve. It, uh, it got the fans happy. You know what? I haven't had happy fans in a long time. So, I'll, I'll try to make you happy, too. It's Thanksgiving week, right? You know? Let's be happy. At this point, the Packers are only seventh pick in the draft. And for a team which has, you know, routinely been 22nd, 24th, 30th in that range, seventh is pretty good. So the, the fans are happy, and there's a lot of talk of we should let's let's stay there, let's not win any more games. And that's a it's an interesting argument. I mean, and you know, I, I Mike McCarthy would have called a, a loser's mentality and a loser's mindset and all that. You know, he's probably right. He, he's coaching for his job, and you know, all all of his guys are coaching for their jobs, and players are playing for their jobs. So I don't, I don't suspect the Packers are going to come out and throw football games here for a draft pick. But it does bring up an interesting, interesting thing where do you play some younger guys and focus on the younger guys? You know, do you 
uh, you know, play here. Play more. Do you play more Trevor Davis? Do you play more Trevor Davis and maybe less, a little less Jordy Nelson, a little less Randall Cobb? I don't know. Probably not. Anyways, here's what I was going to get to. The last ten number seven picks, because it's never too early to talk draft. And here we are in November, and I am full-time draft come January. So we'll talk a little draft right here. The last seven, or excuse me, the last ten number seven picks, a mixed bag of success here. Uh, this year's first-round pick, San Fran took defensive lineman DeForest Buckner from Oregon. Started nine games, has three sacks. He's a hell of a player. And I thought he's, he would have been great in an elephant role. I mean, he's like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, he played basketball at Oregon. Um, an athletic guy. Anyway, that's his stat line. Chicago took Kevin White in 2015, and the Bears have gotten nothing from him because of just horrible luck. I mean, he hasn't even played yet. Or maybe he played a little bit early this season, maybe. But, oh, the poor Bears, you, you, you feel for him when you, when you make a pick and it's just two serious, serious injuries. 2014, the Buccaneers took Mike Evans, receiver, that's worked out pretty well. Through a little more than a season and a half, he's caught 200, and, or excuse me, a little more than two and a half seasons. 207 catches, almost 3,200 yards, and 23 touchdowns. So he's been great. 2014, or excuse me, it must be 2013. If Evans has been great, Jonathan Cooper has been god awful. I, I don't even know if he's in the league. I know he got traded to the Patriots, and the Patriots cut him, so I, I don't even know where he's at. You know, I, I worked at the Green Bay Press Gazette for a while, and one of, the, one of the guys on the copy desk, Dale O'Brien. You throw a random name from someone who used to be somebody, you need to go, where does he 10 bar? So, Jonathan Cooper, where does he 10 bar? Um, 2012, Buccaneers took safety Mark Barron. 2011, the Niners took outside linebacker Alden Smith, a hell of a player with a hell of a lot of problems. Uh, 2010, the Browns took cornerback Joe Hayden, two-time pro bowler there, really good player. I know he was on, on the trade block at the trade deadline. Packers fans wanted him for obvious reasons. Nothing happened there. He's still stuck in Cleveland, poor guy. Uh, uh, 2009, Raiders took receiver Darius Harewood Bay, a, a nothing career. 2008, the Saints took Cedric Ellis, a defensive tackle. He's out of the league, did nothing of note. In 2017, one of the best number seven picks eight ever, some guy named Adrian Peterson, who's had eight full healthy seasons is an eight full healthy seasons in his career. Easy for, easy for me to say. He's made a Pro Bowl seven times there, so he's probably been the best of the lot. So as you see, there's no guarantee at number seven that you're getting a great player. As you can see by Mike Evans and Adrian Peterson on one end of the work ticket, and then you know Hayward Bay and Jonathan Cooper on the other side of the world. But this is what we're talking about, people. Green Bay's gonna have a really good draft pick unless they <clears throat> screw this up and win some football games. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to check out the rest of the great Locked On Network. Um, check out my ranting and raving on Ted Thompson if you haven't done that. In fact, I, I had two post game podcasts, so check those out. They're therapeutic, you know. It's like being on a couch but not paying, you know, two hundred dollars an hour for a shrink. You know, you, you sit down, you have a cup of coffee, have a beer, have a scotch if you're Aaron Rodgers, and enjoy the podcast. And of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com. Have a great day, everybody, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. List. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite MLB team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.